Come on in. Take a seat. As you can probably tell, we're going to do something a little bit different today. Um, for those of you that have been here of recent, you will know that we have been doing a video series for several weeks uh, called The Blessed Life by Pastor Robert Morris out of Texas. He has a fairly large church there. And as is true for many different pastors that I'm aware of, they have spoken a lot of different messages, but they also have what is called a life message. It's something that has become just so much a part of the warp and woof of their being that that's kind of like their message. Well, in Robert Morris's case, the blessed life is his life message. And so we felt like he did such a fine job in doing that, that it would behoove us to actually participate with their church by video and be able to watch it together and to be able to raise our awareness of what it means to walk under the blessing of God like a canopy that is over our heads. And we have a choice in where we live. We can either live in that grace or we can choose to live on our own. Out of that video, there have been a lot of questions that have been asked, a lot of things that have been wondered about. People have asked us right after services, what about this or what about that? And then over the years, there have been a lot of questions that have been asked about finances specifically, about tithing, about offering, about the things that Robert even talked about on his video. So people have a lot of questions like, do I have to tithe? You know, what do I tithe on? Why do I have to tithe in the New Testament? Isn't that all under the law and we're out of the law now? That, those kinds of questions. So what we felt like we would do is we would invite Robert to be with us today and he would answer those questions. Unfortunately, he wasn't available. Um, so instead, we invited a couple of other experts who are going to answer all of your questions. These are people that know it in and out. I mean, they know the Word of God. They know everything. They're just, they're, they're brilliant. Yeah, they weren't available either, right. So uh, we have a panel of esteemed guests, too, in our panel. We actually had another one, but because of illness, not able to be with us, to be able to do this. But what we're going to do, yes? Can you tell she's Alanaville? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what we're going to do this morning is we are going to answer some questions that have been asked and not so much elicit them from the floor, although if you have a specific question that is not addressed, you can feel free to raise your hands and we can either answer it if we're able or we can say we don't know. Let's all research that. Let's all pray about that. Let's all look to the Word of God. But we have some questions that are very common questions that have been asked over the years and even recently. And so what we felt like we would do is have this panel answer those questions as best they can. We're not going to worry so much about the order and whether they hit them all perfectly, but they're actually just trying to answer some questions that perhaps you yourself have asked or maybe you didn't ask, but they were in your mind and in your heart. So we're going to take some time and just go through these questions really quickly. We don't want to take really long, but we felt like it was good to end our series on the blessed life by answering some questions that maybe came up out of the videos that you might wonder about. So we're going to start actually with Pastor John, who's going to address the first questions about why are we tithing at all? Isn't that an Old Testament, a law principle, not a new covenant issue? So Pastor John... Okay, so wasn't tithing an Old Testament law or principle? Why do we, as New Testament Christians, have to tithe at all? Um, so I think this is a good question. Um, there, oftentimes, people who are asking this, it almost seems like they're trying. They're asking this question, like trying to get out of tithing or something like that. Um, and I don't think that that. I don't think that works because I think tithing is referenced actually quite a bit in the New Testament. Uh, there's one specific reference that is actually my favorite reference, and this is actually Jesus himself talking about tithing. So it's not just the disciples referencing it or a king referencing it. This is Jesus himself referencing it. This is in Matthew 23. It's actually Matthew 23, 23. 
says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. So that's a tithe right there. You give a tenth of those spices. But you've neglected the more important matter, matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So basically what Jesus says here is he's talking to the Pharisees, and he's like, you guys actually do tithe. Like you give 10% of your spices, your mint, your dill, and your cumin. But you've neglected the important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. It's kind of like Jesus said, you were doing what you were supposed to do. You were fulfilling the law by tithing, but you were neglecting these issues of the heart, these important matters of justice and mercy and faithfulness. So sometimes people look at that and say, so Jesus was saying tithing wasn't important. It was these other things that were much more important. But what Jesus actually says is, you should have practiced the later, the latter, so you should have practiced justice, mercy, and faithfulness without, without neglecting the former, which was tithing, like they had done. Um, something else that some people say in regards to um, do we need to give in the New Testament, there's this idea, which I think is actually probably the best argument against tithing. I believe in tithing. I believe it is absolutely a New Testament principle. But if you're looking for a reason not to believe it, I think this is actually the best reason not to believe in it. It's something called grace giving. So grace giving is basically where people say, I don't believe in tithing because I believe that's an Old Testament principle. Again, I don't believe that's accurate, but some people do believe that. And they develop this theology called grace giving. And grace giving means in the New Testament, we're not under the law, but we're under grace. So they believe in something called grace giving. And if for some reason you, you believe in that, I want to kind of talk about that for a second. Um, the thing is, um, in the new covenant, we're not under the law anymore, but we're under grace. And so what that looks like is it's not somehow like, okay, I used to have to tithe under the old covenant, but now I can do something lesser under the new covenant, under grace. When God introduced this idea of grace, the, the being under grace is always greater than being under the law. I'll give you a, a good example of that. So in Matthew 5, 28, it says, But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with his heart. So in the law, it said you couldn't commit adultery. That was the rule. It was a part of the Ten Commandments. You couldn't commit adultery. But then under grace in the New Testament, he says, If you even look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery in your heart. So it's like there's this standard set in the Old Testament under the law, and then under grace, the standards, it's like ramped up. It's like actually bigger than it was under the law. Does that make sense? So that's kind of grace giving. I think it's important, by the way, that when we talk about things, we realize what kind of terms we're using. So that when people talk about isn't tithing under the law, what they're really referring to is what is called the Levitical law. The laws that surrounded the rules that God gave to the children of Israel under the Levitical code, which were the Levite tribe that actually ran the worship within the tabernacle first and then the temple by the time we get to the life of Solomon. So when you hear the term law, especially the term law used in the New Testament, it's usually, almost always, referring back to the Levitical law. Not the law of God generally over all the earth. He's talking about a very specific prescription. And certainly, we can understand that if there are things that are said that are Levitical law or Levitical code, they might not then have implication for us. But the irony is, as Pastor John said, is that grace actually amps up things. It goes higher than that Levitical law. And so, even in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, tithing actually began before there was such a thing as a Levitical law. In that Abraham tithed till, to the high priest Melchizedek. And then the book of Hebrews tells us that actually the Levitical people were in Melchizedek because he was a forerunner of them. So that... Actually, for Abraham, who was going to give birth to Isaac, who was going to give birth to Jacob, who was going to give birth to his sons, which would include Levi, when Abraham tithed, he, in effect, caused his son Levi to tithe long before there was such a thing as a Levitical law. 
So I think it's important for us to understand that when we talk about the law, we're first of all talking about the Levitical law, but then secondly, to realize that the implications of tithing began even before the law happened. And I believe, as Pastor John said, Jesus addresses it, and I think even Paul addresses it later when he talks about our giving in terms of new covenant principles. So that was one of the major questions that's asked. Um, One of the other questions that's often asked is, okay, what is a tithe? And what do I tithe? How much do I tithe? What do I tithe on? So, Pastor John, do you want to look at that? Sure. Um, so, which specific is it? Do you want me to answer all these? Uh, I would, number two, I would start okay. with that. So let me ask, there's like actually a, a group of questions here that were asked that we kind of lumped together. Um, these are really good questions, by the way, those of you that asked and tried to trick me in your questions. Um, this is the first question is, do I tithe on gross or net? Uh, what about tax returns? What about gifts from pe- people, financial or non-financial? What about birthday gifts? Uh, what about non-cash work-related benefits? What about work bonuses, 401k matches, government benefits? How technically picky is God? If, a di- if I find a dime on the ground, do I need to tithe on that? What if I don't have any any money to tithe on the value of a gift that I received? Those are very good questions. All right, um, who asked those? <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, as Pastor Chris referenced in Deuteronomy 14 is one of the first places that we see tithe referenced in the Bible. Um, and then Deuteronomy 14.22 says, Be sure to set aside a tenth of all, all that your fields produce each year. So that can be kind of tricky to figure out exactly what that means. And I'll give you an example. So like I've heard somebody say, let's say I uh, shoveled someone's driveway, and it was a very big driveway, and they paid me, or I snowblowed somebody's driveway, let me do it that way. And they paid me $100 to snowblow their driveway. But then, did I actually make $100 or did I not make $100 because I had to, it cost me 10 bucks in fuel to snowblow their driveway. So do I tithe on the $100 that I made? Do I tithe on the $90 that I made? So those are good questions. And I would say, first and foremost, like we need to understand that God is a giver. God is a giver to each one of us. In the very beginning, God created this garden and gave it to mankind to care for. And then when we messed everything up, when mankind messed everything up, he then sent the best gift of all, the most amazing gift of all, his son, to pay the price for our sins. So God is a giver, and because God is a giver, we want to be like God and be a giver. So I'm not saying that this was the mindset that any of you had when you were asking these questions. I believe that some of you legitimately were like asking these questions wondering, how do I honor God with my finances? But sometimes in some of these questions, it seems like the goal is, what's the least that I can give and get away with? So something that April and I have done for ourselves is we try the best that we can to be givers. And when we have something that we're like, I don't know if I'm supposed to give on this or not. I'm not exactly sure if I should give on this or not. We usually go, we're just going to give anyways because we want to be givers and we don't want there to be any question about that. Um, I'll, answer the, I'll try to answer this question about um, gross or net more specifically because I know there were a lot of people that really were like looking for a legitimate specific answer. Um, I would say if you tithe on your gross, then if you get a tax return, you've kind of already tithed on the money that's coming in that gross. You guys know what gross versus net is, right? Gross is how much you make total. Net is your actual bring-home pay after taxes. You understood that? I'm just thinking some of the younger ones might not. So that's gross versus net. Yeah, so if you tithe on your gross, then what you receive in your tax return, in theory, you've kind of already tithed on, so you wouldn't technically need to tithe on that. If you felt to give on your tax return, and you had already tithed on the gross, then that would be an offering in my mind. If you tithe on your net and then you get a tax return, then technically I think you would need to tithe on that tax return in order to cover your your tithe basis. And I know for some people that can be a little weird if you get a lot more in your tax return than you ever put in 
So that can be a little squirrely. But what I would say is be givers in your heart. And honestly, I believe that you guys are givers. Um, I believe that in general, our church is a church full of people who are givers. And I also can tell based on, not because I looked at anything specific, but because I've looked at the church's financial report, that in the last couple months since we went through this series, some of you stepped out in new ways in giving. Um, and I want to say to you, that's awesome. And I'm proud of you guys for actually doing that and taking a step to try and say, God, I want to honor you with my finances. So in every way, I would just say, be a giver. I believe that God is not a kind of God that's going to hold it against you because you picked up a dime and didn't put a penny in the, forgot to put a penny in the offering plate. I think God is looking at our hearts and he's looking at, are we givers in our hearts? Are we following after him in that way? I think John addressed really well this issue, which is that I don't think God is looking at technicalities to catch us. I don't think God's trying to catch us at all. I think God's trying to pour his love out upon us. So I don't think it ever should be a technical issue. It should be a heart issue. And if in our heart, like Kira and I do the same thing, there's times when we get gifts, like people give us gifts because they want to bless us and they might give us money. And so they want you to use that money to do something special. Well, do you tithe on it or don't you tithe on it because it's a gift? Well, we just kind of have come to the point of saying, if we're even unsure at all, we're not clear, we don't know, does the Bible exactly say it? If we're going to err, let's err on the side of greater rather than lesser. Let's err on the side of grace in the same way that if there's ever a question, I want greater grace from God. So I think the idea of not approaching this as a legalistic, technical thing is a real help to us. Uh, Pastor Karen has one of the questions, which I think is a, a harder question. What do you do if you want to be a giver, you want to be a tither, but you don't have any income or you don't have any money or maybe you're even, you don't have enough money to even hardly pay your bills? What do you do? What is the answer when you're a Christian and the Bible says we should pay our bills to be a good witness? What do we do when we don't have enough money and yet we're still supposed to, in our minds at least, it's the right thing. We've watched the video. We've come to believe it by faith. What do we do about tithing? So, um, Can I just back up one, one part of that, which was um, like, what if you receive <clears throat> something that you don't receive money, but you receive like a college scholarship or you say, uh, you know, say someone's on the mission field and their car breaks down and they... They have no way to get around, and they pray, and God somehow miraculously provides a vehicle for them. Do they then somehow have to come up with the money to tithe on that? So I think, too, like, um, I how to say it. I'm going to say it this way. God's reasonable. So I don't think, you know, say you were that person who was desperately trying to go to college. You had no way to go. You had absolutely no money, and suddenly you get a full scholarship to college, a $50,000 scholarship. I don't think God is then looking for you to somehow take out a loan so you can give him $5,000 back on what he just provided for you. And again, it just goes back to um, a matter of our hearts before the Lord. There will probably come a time where God would enable you to give like, like what uh, Robert Morris was talking about, extravagant giving. And that comes out of our gratefulness to the Lord for what he's done. So back to my question, which is, um, what if I don't have the money to tithe and pay my bills? Isn't not paying my bills a worse testimony for a Christian? Shouldn't I get out of debt before tithing? So again, some of this, like, like Jonathan was saying, um, sounds like we're, we're trying to rationalize it a little bit. Like, there's no way I can do both of those, then it doesn't even make sense. Um, let me just say that biblical principles often don't make sense to our natural mind. So when we're talking about tithing, you're not going to be able to look at any... Um, at it from an accounting perspective and have it make sense. It will not make sense. And in the end, it will not make sense to your benefit. But when you're starting out, you're going to look at it and you're going to go, it doesn't make sense. And you're going to think it's impossible. Um, but first of all, related to that. So the way I look at this is if we're trying to live responsibly, which sounds like that could be the heart of that question, like shouldn't I have a right testimony? So if we're trying to... Um, properly manage our finances, then we think of our bills normally when we're in that place as a debt that we owe, right? It's a financial responsibility that we need to pay. It's not something we should avoid. It's not something we should ignore. Well, the same way our tithe is a debt to the Lord. 
So that's not, it's a financial responsibility. It's something we need to pay. It's not something we should avoid or ignore. So to me, you can't quite uh, delineate and divide these the way this question does. Um, really, our tithe needs to be included with our bills, not excluded. We shouldn't say our bills are more important than our tithe. So as we include it then, what we should do is we should look at what is the most important bill. Like, isn't that what you do when you go to pay your bills? You look at what do I have to pay first? Maybe you want to pay your mortgage or your rent because you don't want to lose your house. Or maybe you choose to, to buy food because you don't want your children to starve. But when we look at how we're going to handle our finances, we look at what's the most important thing, and then we kind of put that in a, in a list, in an order of how we're going to pay it. So, um, and this was pretty clear if you listen to the videos, and I agree with what Robert Morris was saying, which is the tithe should come first off the top. So we include it with our debt. We don't somehow say we have to get rid of our debt first. Um, and then as far as the testimony, like isn't that a bad testimony for a Christian if we're not paying our bills first? Let me just say that um, if we are faithful to live this way and to tithe, I believe we'll actually get out of debt we'll be in a better place financially. So we'll be improving our testimony, not having a bad testimony. Uh, by honoring the Lord and paying our tithe, we are stating that all of our money and all that we have comes from him and belongs to him. And once we start living that way, we'll be making steps towards better financial responsibility and accountability. Um, it's like we get a new mindset as we start living that way. Um, and if we're faithful to tithe, and this was, again, this was emphasized in the video, we put ourselves in the arena of blessing. We'll find that God will miraculously stretch the 90% to do better than how we were living on our own on the 100%. And there's just a couple scriptures that um, reference this promise from the Lord. Proverbs 3, there's more, but I'm just referencing a couple. Proverbs 3, uh, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So first you honor the Lord, and then there's overflowing, um, abundant blessing. Malachi 3, this is a pretty common one when we're talking about tithing. God says that if you tithe instead of keeping it for yourself, he will pour out blessing and rebuke your devourers. In other words, he'll keep you safe from those who might harm you. So my suggestion is if you haven't started tithing and you were struggling with this about paying your bills or tithing, um, my suggestion is you start. And if you're already tithing and you're still looking at your bills and wondering, I would suggest you continue. Um, and in that place, you will find a blessing. That's God's promise. That's, that's, I can say that, and I can say I promise, promise you that will happen. But um, there's much more power when you realize that's God's promise to you. Now, I just want to say one little thing there. That's not the reason we tithe. We're not tithing in order to have the blessing. But if you're holding back and you're thinking it's not going to work, then there is a promise that will come once you put yourself in this place. There will be financial blessing that will change the way your finances have been functioning. Good. When we become a believer, a follower of Jesus, that's not because we become somehow more moral, become a, quote, good person. We go to church. That's not how you become a Christian. How you become a Christian is by placing your trust in your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's how you become a Christian. That faith that saves you is to carry you throughout the entirety of your life. So everything that you do has to have an element of faith attached to it. Can you believe in faith? Can you trust God that with 90% He can cause there to be greater blessing on your finances and all that you do than you trying to independently control your 100%? That's really what it comes down to, is can you trust God even with that? Now, one of the questions that was asked was, what if you're not a member of the church? Do I have to tithe too? And I think Pastor John had that question. Yeah, I, I don't think tithing has to do, there's no place that I could find any reference in Scripture where tithing was listed as a responsibility only for church members. Um, if you are a member here at this church, then when you took that step, we asked people who were taking the step to become members to make that, that commitment to faithfully give of themselves and of their finances to help the work here at the, at the church. Um, but if you're not a member, 
you can still be free to give, and you're not giving because you're a member here. You're giving because you want to honor the Lord with your finances and take a step to say, God, I'm putting you first before everything else. Good. One of the other questions that was asked is, can I designate, can I give my tithe to the church and tell the church where I want them to spend it? Is it okay for us to do that? Well, one of the things I think it's important for us to understand is throughout all of the scriptures from beginning to end, when you see the issue of tithing referenced, it's always referenced as a holy thing that belongs to the Lord. It's God's. The tithe is not ours. The tithe is God's. He gives us everything that we have. Solomon said, who are we that we can give because we recognize everything we have comes from you. So that everything we have, it's not that the tithe, 10% belongs to God and 90% belongs to us. It's 100% belongs to God. And He says to us, you're to give 10% as a tithe and you're to give offerings. It's not just a tithe, it's offerings as well. I personally believe that if something belongs to somebody else, you can't tell them what to do with it. You give it freely because it's God's and you trust that God will make sure that it is used appropriately. And then the question is, well, where do I tithe? Well, again, if you start with some of the very first references to tithing in the Bible, it says, bring the tithe. Malachi 3 says, bring your whole tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse all throughout, going back into the Kings and Chronicles, references the tabernacle or the temple. It's the place where the ministry is centered. And so for many people, I personally believe this, the storehouse references the church of God. It's the place where you are regularly being fed. And over the years, I've had people say, well, I tithe to CBN, or I tithe to Benny Hinn, or I tithe to the library, because I think that's a good place that people can actually use. I think some of those things are good things to give to if you choose to. I personally believe, however, that the tithe belongs in the storehouse, in the local church. And you don't tithe so as to make favor for yourself down the road. You tithe because you want to honor God with your finances. And so for us, we might give to outside adventures beyond the church. Not, not might, we do. We give to outside things. But we personally believe that our tithe belongs in the storehouse, the place where we're being fed. And for those people that are saying, I'm going to give my tithe to some other outside entity, some parachurch organization, some place like uh, CBN, let's just speak, or Family Life Network, whatever, I'm going to tithe there. Well, then when you're in a crisis and you're in the hospital or you've got an emergency need, my recommendation is that since they're your supply, they're your ministry center, that's where you ought to expect to get your help and expect Benny Hinn to jump on a plane and come and visit you in the hospital. I doubt that will happen. However, I don't think it's wrong to give to those outside issues if that is within your heart to give as part of your offering. But I think biblically, the tithe always references the storehouse even in Malachi, when God says, you're robbing me by not giving your tithe, not paying your tithe, and he says, bring your whole tithe into the storehouse. So I think it has a lot to do with where your commitment is, where your family is, where you're being fed, not where you can somehow gain favor down the road, or, well, I, I like that ministry, I watch them on TV every Sunday before I come to church, and so I'm going to give my money there. I'm not saying they're bad. I listen to other preachers too. I listen to a lot of preachers. But my tithe still belongs here. Now, in everything that we're saying to you, we're telling you what we believe from the Word of God, what we have experienced by experience ourselves, what we have lived in. Uh, there was a time in my life when I did not tithe. I had the mindset as a poor farm kid that was raised with a bunch of other siblings. Money came hard. We didn't have much money. So that when I worked, that was my money. And I'm not going to give my money. How do I know how they're going to use it? So it was my money. And it took me some time, probably a few years, before I came to some level of realization that the tithe really does belong to God. It actually started with a question that my father-in-law asked in a pastoral theology class in Bible school. He said to a question that was asked, somebody was asked, should I give my tithe to a church when I know that the treasurer is stealing the money? 
He says, it all depends. We say, depends on what? He says, whose money is it? If it's your money, no, don't give it. But if it's God's money, let God deal with the thief, just as he did with Judas, who carried the bag, which meant he was the treasurer for his cadre, the disciples. And that began to make me think about, wait a minute, if it's God's money, what right do I have to control it? So I personally believe we don't designate our tithe. We can designate offerings, but we don't designate tithe because the tithe is the Lord's. Another question that was asked is, can you give me an example? Robert talked about first fruits quite a bit on that one video. Can you give us an example of what does that even mean, first fruits in today's day and age? We're not talking about you know, taking a bushel of wheat and giving it back. Well, what does that mean for us? So, Pastor John. Yeah, so a lot of these references in the, in the Bible, you got to understand their whole world was different than our world. The way that they received money was different than the way that we do. Um, so first fruits, I would say, in the scriptures when it's referenced, talking about the fruits that people receive from their actual gardens, like their fields where the, that they were working. So he was saying, give of the first crop that you received. What that means for me personally is kind of the principle that uh, Robert Morris referenced in the video series where he talked about giving to God first. He talked about making sure that that was the first thing that you did with your money. And he didn't mean that in a legalistic way, um, which kind of brings up another question, which is if I don't give to God first, am I under a curse? Um, which I'll answer that in a second. I don't believe God looks at it in a legalistic way like that. Again, I think God is looking at our heart. Um, but I think for us, we try, and I get a, I get a uh, notification when my check is direct deposited and when April's check is direct deposited into our account. I get a notification on my phone, so I do pay, pay my tithe first right away. Not because I believe that I'm going to be under a curse by God if I forget to do that, and there are times where I do forget to do it or I, I pay another bill on accident first or whatever. Um, I don't believe that God is legalistic in that way, but I also want him to know that he's first in my life and he comes before everything else. There are other obligations and priorities I have in my life, but he's first every time. Um, to answer that question about being under a curse, if somehow you don't do that, um, again, I don't believe that God is picky in that way. Um, but I do believe that if we continually and regularly don't put God first, our lives are under a curse. And I know that is not something that we talk about a lot. And so people would ask, so does that mean God is actually putting a curse on me or something like that? No, I believe that if we regularly can't learn to be givers, if we can't learn to put God first, then that means we're going to live a lifestyle that's self-centered, self-focused. We're going to live selfish lives. And the curse is you're a selfish person. It's not that God puts a curse on you. It's that if you can't learn to be selfless and be a giver like God is, then you become a selfish, self-centered person. And that is a cursed way to live. Good. Um, one of the questions that was asked, which I thought was really interesting, is um, this whole area of our finances is about faith. So is it therefore wrong for us to save our money at all? This goes beyond the issues of tithes and offerings. Is it wrong to have a savings account? because that's not having faith in God. Well, should we give all of our money away? Everything we get, should we pay our bills and then give the rest away? Is it wrong to have life insurance policy? So I think that's a very real thing that some Christians struggle with, and I know there were some who back years ago made some decisions based upon that. So I think Pastor Kabrin has that question. Okay, so I don't personally think that the main principle of tithing is faith in God. That's, it's come up here some. It certainly requires faith but that's not like the, the first or the highest principle of tithing. I think it's what um, Pastor Jonathan was just talking about, which is honoring and obeying God, recognizing that all we have comes from him, and it's that principle of the first or the first fruits, and I think that was pretty clearly addressed by um, Robert Morris as well. Uh, tithing isn't living whimsically or without care and thought. It's actually the opposite. Tithing is a financial principle that moves us towards handling our finances with great care and thought following a biblical pattern. So tithing is part of stewardship of, what all, uh, of everything that God has given us. So this question about if tithing is really a matter of faith in God to provide everything, <clears throat> excuse me, everything I need, should I even be saving my money at all? And I think you could 
interpret that a couple different ways. Like, should I bother doing anything because I'm just going to trust God to provide for me? Or you can say, should I be saving because isn't that saying that I don't have faith in God? So the way I'm going to answer this would, would uh, address both of those ways of looking at this. Um, so this question really is asking, what's the wise way for us to handle our finances after tithing? Uh, God didn't tell us just to sit back and let him provide everything. And there's a few principles I want to reference uh, related to this. So first of all, there's a biblical principle of hard work. Um, so 1 Thessalonians 4, 10 through 12, we urge you, brethren, to excel still more, to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, attend to your own business, and work with your hands, just as we commanded you, so that you will behave properly towards outsiders and not be in any need. So there it is, the hard work. Work with your hands so you won't be in need. Um, in 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 through 12, for even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, acting like busybodies. Such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion and eat their own bread. So again, in order to eat, you should be working, um, and that's part of leading a disciplined life. So there's the principle of hard work, first of all. Um, when we're thinking about finances, biblical way to handle finances, principle of hard work. Then there's the principle of trusting God rather than being anxious. Um, this is from Matthew 6, 25. I'm going to just kind of highlight some portions here. Uh, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body. What you will put on isn't life more than food and body and clothing. Look at the birds of the air. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than them? Um, what can worrying add to your life? Don't worry about clothing. Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. Uh, if God clothes them, how much more will he clothe you? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Um, and then seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about its own things. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that principle is to trust God and not to be anxious when we're looking at our finances. Then there's the principle of good stewardship or investing, and that really addresses this question. Um, so I'm going to refer to the parable of the talents, which you can find in Matthew 25 and Luke 19, with a little variation. I'm really looking at Matthew 25. But in case you don't know this parable that Jesus told, basically um, a master was going to leave town, go on a long trip, and so he put three servants in charge of portions of his money while he was going to be gone. They knew that he was going to come back, and they would have to give an account for how they managed that money. And um, when he came back, he evaluated them according to how faithful they were with making wise investments and turning a profit of the money he had given them. So it's very clear that he expected a profit. He didn't expect them to not invest or not do something wise with the money. That's what he was looking for. So if they had a gain, then that indicated they were faithful. Uh, the master rewarded his servants according to how they had handled the stewardship of his funds. Two of the servants invested and doubled their money. They were considered faithful, and the master rewarded them by putting them in charge of more. Um, then there was one servant who kind of played it safe. Do you remember what he actually did with the money? He buried it in the ground, right? Um, and the master called him unfaithful, and he even lost the money that he was originally given. The master took it back from him and gave it to someone else who had turned a profit with the money. Um, and the, what the master said to him, this is Matthew 25, 27, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. <laughs> Um, that seems pretty clear to me. You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. So I believe that this parable is a clear picture of investing what God has given us in order to bear fruit in his kingdom. The fact that Jesus used money to illustrate this point seems to me that that's a clear indication that God has no problem with Christians who take the money that God has given us responsibility over and wisely invest it. In fact, I would take it a step farther and say not only does he not have a problem with it, he expects us to do that. Now, to be clear, this passage uh, goes way beyond money. It addresses a lot more things in our life. It points to whatever talents and spiritual gifts we have. The point is that God expects us to use what he gives us 
and it's a sin to just bury that in the ground and hide it and not use it. Now, because of our economic system in this day, and, and Pastor Jonathan referred to this a bit, money is the thing that we use to sustain us. So in times of surplus, surplus we are to give abundantly and invest and save for the future so, so that in times of lack, we we'll have provision stored up for us. One other uh, principle I want to mention in terms of um, biblical financial responsibility would be to um, planning or preparation. And I'm, just, I'm not going to spend much time on this. I'm just going to read you a few scriptures that refer to that. Because one of these questions was, should we have life insurance? And so I think this, the principle of planning and preparation addresses that. Uh, Timothy 5.8, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Proverbs 10.5, uh, he who gathers in summer is a son who acts wisely, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who acts shamefully. Uh, in other words, work while the work is there. Um, Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. Again, that talks about planning, preparation, making wise decisions. And Luke 14, 28 to 30, for which one of you, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Again, that's because there wasn't appropriate preparation and planning in the beginning. Um, so personally, if we're talking about life insurance or savings or investing, I don't see that as a lack of trusting God. I see it as a way to plan and to prepare and to wisely steward what God has given us. And um, I just want to end this section with this one quote. Um, Stewardship is not about ordering your life in such a way that you can spend as much as you want on whatever you want. True stewardship is ordering your life in such a way that God can spend you however he wants to spend you. Good. Very good. Which kind of raises another question that was asked. Uh, since tithing is something that is commanded by the Lord, we believe, and it's an appropriate thing, should I take a tax exemption for my tithe? Because isn't that trying to get my tithe back? But I think Jesus actually clarified that a bit in Matthew 22, 21, when he said, you render to Caesar that which is Caesar, and to God that which is God's. So when you give your tithe, you're giving your tithe as unto the Lord because that's what God commands of you. But you're also recognizing you're living in Caesar's realm or in the realm of the world system of which you are a part. In their day, it was Caesar's world. And within that world system, there is the ability that the government gives us, the government under which we live and pray and bless, gives us that ability to take an exemption, if we so choose, up to a certain amount on our giving. I personally think that is a part of stewardship, is to be willing to recognize the system that is around us, that is being provided by God, I believe, for our good and advancement. Now, how you choose to do that, that's up to you. In almost everything we've said, I believe that you need to prayerfully consider for yourself what you believe God's Word says. Not just what we have said, but what God's Word says. Search it out. Know whether these things that we have said are actually true. And in the areas where the Scripture does not directly reference it, then I think you have a responsibility to pray and say, what is the Spirit of God behind this issue? And what would be appropriate? So we've handled a lot of different questions in here. Um, Trying to think, is there anything else that we didn't get? Oh, one of the things that was asked is, okay, if I give my tithes to this church, what are the checks and balances? How do I know it's being used properly? Well, let me just reference that very quickly. When you give your money to the church in your offering, in your tithes, I've said it before and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face, I do not know and I don't want to know what you give. If you are a member of this church, you have committed by virtue of membership to say, I will support this church with my tithes and offerings. That's what you have said. That's what you've agreed upon. Are you a person of your word? But we leave that between you and the Lord. We don't go check on that. We're not sending out email notices saying, hey, we see that you've dropped. What's going on? We don't do that. When you give, your money is received by the ushers. We have a, a, a system whereby it is counted by two people. It's always under that kind of care where there's more than one person involved. It is kept track of on a sheet so that every amount is listed. Then that money is put in a safe. Then that safe is collected by our treasurer, our bookkeeper at the time. 
it is then recounted to make sure that it matches. If it doesn't, then they get together and they figure out what's going on. What's the difference? Where's the error? Then that money is deposited with each person getting credit for what they have given. And then the total money that is received is determined by budget that the board has, which is the board that has been appointed, elected by you to manage the overall money of the church. So it has oversight by virtue of counting, the treasurer and the bookkeeper, and then the board actually gets a report every single month, which is available. If you want it, you can see it. It's not easy to read. We've gotten used to it. Any of you who do finances know that different financial reports can look completely different. Uh, but we have gotten used to looking at that financial report so that we know what monies have come in and how we're spending that money and what we're doing with that money. So I believe there is good, accountable care that is used in the distribution of the monies that you give. Is there anything else that you guys want to say? I was just going to say, I know that some of you have taken a step to start giving, which is awesome. Um, and oftentimes in our services, we'll, have, we'll make opportunity for people who want to share something that they feel like the Lord is speaking to them for the whole congregation. So if, if you feel something like that, the parameters that we set up is you can go back to the back of the sanctuary where, where right now Andy and Kathy are sitting, and there'll either be an elder or a pastor there, and you can talk with them, and they'll figure out if, if what you feel from the Lord is appropriate and try and help you find the right time to share that. Something we don't do very often, something I wish we would do more, is also make room for sharing testimonies. There's some churches where they have testimony time, like every Sunday. We don't do that so much, but it's something that I feel like we could and should do, and that would be the same parameters that we would use for that. So if you've stepped out and you feel like you've started to try and put some of these principles into your life, and then you've seen some fruit from these principles, you've seen God come through like he said he would, it would be awesome to share that testimony to encourage other people who are starting to take that step or maybe you're on the fence saying, can I do that? Can I not do that? So if you feel like you have a testimony from starting to give, uh, you can go back to one of the elders in the service and share and they'll try and help you find an, a time to share that. Anything else? Okay. Just want to say, before we do this, we're going to kind of open it up. If you have a question, this is not a comment. This is not you saying, I don't agree with this. If you don't agree, that's okay. You don't have to agree with us. Like I've said, you need to search the Word of God and come to some conclusion for yourself of that which you believe God is calling you to. So this is not about you standing up and saying, I don't agree, here's what I think. This isn't about you telling us a lengthy story. This is about you asking a question that maybe we can answer. And if not, that's okay. It's not like we know everything. This is an opportunity for you to be able to kind of plumb in this brief time that we have any other questions that maybe we did not ask or did not remember. So, Gary. Go for it. Tithing can feel risky. It can feel challenging at times. But can we trust the Lord? Kathy.
Um, I think the principle, regardless of whether or not you have a job in which you're bringing in regular income or whether you're on a fixed income, which many people are, I think the principle generally remains the same. 10% is 10% no matter what. And I know a lot of people on fixed income who actually do that. But my statement is really this. You need to, before the Lord, ask God to help you in faith to obey Him in your tithes and offerings, to do what you think He would want you to do based upon His Word, and then to have courage to obey that. But each one has to. Paul says, let each one give as he has decided in his own heart. That's what Paul says in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 9. Let each one give as they have decided in their own heart. Now, I personally think that's in conjunction with everything else he's already said about giving. It's included the references Pastor John gave about tithing. But I think... The, the issue still remains. You need to find grace in God to say, what is it that the Lord is challenging me to do? And how can I do that? I've known people over the years who've said, I am tithing right now 3%. Now, my statement, if I wanted to be technical, would be, that's not a tithe. Tithe is 10%. But instead of addressing it that way, I just say, okay, good. And they're saying, yeah, I am believing God that within X amount of time, I'll be able to be up to the 10% mark. And my statement is, okay, that's between you and the Lord. What is God calling you to? We're not here trying to be taskmasters saying, we want you to go make more bricks. We're here saying, try your best to hear the heart of God and believe Him for His enablement to do what He asks you to do. I don't believe God ever asks us to do anything that He won't enable us, including the tithe. Other questions? Yes, Luke. Yeah. Uh, again, my personal belief, and that's a big question actually out there. If you were to Google that right now, you'd see it go all over the place. Depending upon what your stance is, uh, for me personally, I think that most often in the Scripture, the reference to tithe is into your local storehouse. The term local is attached to it. So to me, to, which some people do, to tithe part to the church, part to that church, part to that organization, part to that parachurch thing, I personally think, again, this is my mind, I'm a church guy through and through. God has chosen that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be expressed to principalities and powers according to Ephesians 3. I believe that God has made the church preeminent in the economy of the kingdom. I think the church is a time expression of the kingdom of God. And because of that, I think the tithe belongs to the local church and everything else that we give, we consider offerings. And we give to a lot of different places. But that's how we view it. Again, you have to search out the word of God for yourself and come to some resolution as to what it is that you believe. I would say, however, where are you regularly being fed cared for if emergency arises who's going to help take care of you and the family which is part of the community aspect of the tithe is to provide for those situations so i think you need to pray seek the lord read the word of god and say what does god's word say to me mark Let me ask you it this way so that I don't put anybody on the spot because I don't want to do that. If you were here watching the videos and you felt challenged by God in watching the videos to either give, maybe you haven't given before, or perhaps to take a leap of faith and to give more than what you had been, if that's you, could you be willing to raise your hand just let us see that you were challenged by these videos? Okay, good. Because our purpose is not somehow to cajole you into this. It is to merely express the truth of the Word of God as best as we understand it and leave it to you as to whether or not you're going to embrace that. Good. Yes?
That's true. Good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. In fact, I would challenge you guys, uh, an easy book of the Bible to read, a whole book you could read in about 10 minutes, is the book of Haggai. It's two chapters. Haggai. It's an Old Testament prophet. Right near the end of the Old Testament. But in Haggai, God says, do you ever wonder why you work hard and put your money in a bag and it has holes in it and you're not getting anywhere? Why you never seem to have enough? He says it's because you're not bringing your tithe into the local storehouse. You're not taking care of, you're taking care of yourself before you're taking care of the house of God. I think that's a good principle for all of us because ultimately if, as Haggai says in Haggai chapter 2, I think it's verse 8, you can check it, but I think it's verse 8, the scripture says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord. In other words, God says, all of it's mine. I'm just giving you the opportunity with me to steward that which I'm giving to you. To use that as I want you to use it. So, we had another hand. Yes. That's a good question. Depends upon who you ask. Um, I know of situations where people have individually, out of their business, received an income, and they tithe on that income. Those same people have made a choice to tithe on their business as well. But I think that's a choice that you make. In the Scriptures, the only place I can see is that God references individuals in their tithing. But again, I think there are people who just says, as a step of faith, and I believe to honor God, even with this business which he has blessed me with, I want to out of that tithe. And I know people who have done it, like Laterno out of Canandaigua. Laterno, who had a whole business till a point in his life where he was living on 10% and tithing 90%. And still had so much that he didn't know what to do with it. He was giving away. He was building places all over for nonprofits and churches. But again... In the scripture, every indication I could find referenced individuals in their tithing, not businesses. But again, I think that's a choice. One of the questions that comes up, by the way, with businesses, which I think is a very fair question, is do you tithe on the gross of the business if you're going to do this? If you're an individual, that you're one person and you own the business, it's your business, like you're a contractor. Do you tithe on the total amount that comes into you, or do you tithe on the total amount? after you've paid your expenses, after you've paid your cost of your materials. Personally, I think you pay it after you've paid for your expenses so that all the other money wasn't really income, it wasn't really profit at all, it was just the cost of doing business, in my opinion. So, Well, if you believe, as the Word of God says, that the tithe belongs to the Lord, the Scripture says it is holy unto the Lord. The Scripture is pretty clear about that. If you believe the tithe belongs to the Lord and you're not paying your tithe, you're keeping it, the Scripture says then you're stealing from God. Because it's already His. You're taking, it's like I've got $100 that I made. The Scripture says $10 belongs to the Lord. It's not yours. And you say instead, I'm going to spend that. And you say, wait a minute, that's her money, not my money. Yeah, but I'm going to spend it anyways. You've stolen from her. In the same way, you've stolen from God. Okay? Who was the other one? Okay. I didn't know about that. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes.
that actually was one of the questions that we kind of addressed generally. Um, the question is asked, can you give part of your tithe to other entities like missionaries who are doing good works around the world? Again, my personal view is the Scripture is clear. The tithe belongs to the Lord and is brought into the local storehouse. Which is why we like, in our very first church, let me give you this example. In our very first church, we were supporting a missionary in Haiti. That church was supporting the missionary in Haiti before I got there. We had some friends who were going down to Haiti, and we said, while you're down there, would you go visit this missionary? Only to find out that the missionary was really not a missionary at all. They were living on a yacht on the port of Haiti and would come in with a sign and have it hanging on a wall, pay the sign, people to be able to hang the wall, and then have kids stand around them to be able to say, I have an orphanage. Which is why from that point on, we made the decision, if we're going to support a missionary, we're going to go visit them. They're going to be a part of us. They're going to be extended staff. Which is why I think it's safer if we're supporting missionaries often, not always. Some of them you know personally, and I'm saying, great, God bless you. We vet our missionaries. We want to make sure they're doing what we believe they've said they're going to do. We check on them. We go. That, why do you think we take those trips? Not just because we want to get out of the area, but we go sometimes to areas that aren't fun to be in. And we check on them to make sure that these missionaries that we're supporting are doing what they have said they're doing. So for us, when you give your tithes and offerings here, it helps to support missionaries around the world. If you want to give individually, as do many, to another missionary, I would still say the tithe belongs to the church. That's an offering to a missionary. Again, that's how I look at it. You might look at it differently. So even if you are supporting a church, a, a missionary that we support here is a church, so your money to support a missionary is coming into this offering, that would not be part of your tithe. So the tithe is 10% to the church, undesignated. Giving to missions, even if it comes through the church, is considered an offering. That's how we look at it. Okay, good. I think that was... All right, would you stand? Thank you for bearing with us as we went through this. I hope it was good for you. Again, our heart, I want you to hear this clearly. Our heart is not that we want you to give more money. God has blessed us and we're grateful for it. God has been our provision. We have learned, as Paul has, to live with much and to live with less. There have been times when we've gone on austerity budgets and we've said all spending is cut. We had to do that in order to be able to be a good testimony by paying our bills accordingly. There's other times when God gives us more than enough and we're able to be greater givers. So our issue in bringing this is not, it is not in order for you to give more. If that results, thank God. I say that sincerely, with no chagrin. I know a lot of pastors who won't even reference money because they feel embarrassed. I don't see why. Because the issue is not you giving more to us, the issue is you allowing your life to get in God's order. Set by Him. What would He have of you? And I personally believe that if you can get this issue of the tithe down, the rest of your life begins to fall in order. I have found it again and again in our life. Again and again, even when giving has been tough, tithing has been a challenge as we have stepped out in obedient faith. God has met us and provided for us. And he's enabled us to be givers as he is a giver. We've given you what we believe the word of God says. What our experience is as well. It's up to you to decide, do you agree with what the word of God says? What we have presented? And do you believe that in faith you can step out and obey that word? Because without faith it's impossible to please God. But he is a rewarder of those who will diligently seek Him. That's His promise. Amen? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You for this day and for time together. And I know that for some, they've already taken a step of obedient faith in giving some for the very first time. Or maybe they've in the past just thrown some money in and now they've said, no, I want to obey God's Word. I want to tithe. And then beyond that, even to be a person who's so generous, I can give offerings. And maybe for some, that's their heart's desire, but they don't feel like they're there quite yet. It's, it's in a hard transition stage. Lord, I pray for your grace to cover all that they do, that their heart would be heard by you, but also they would recognize 
You can mean things to do right, but it doesn't always come out right. And so therefore, Lord, we want to be obedient and not just say, well, our heart's good. We want to be obedient, faithful stewards of all that you give to us. We pray, God, your grace upon every individual and every family unit that is here, that you would bless them in their finances, you would cause them to increase, and that they too would become givers like their Father in heaven. We ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you.